The Journal presents the Good Information Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Good Information Podcast, a series where the Journal gets to grips with 15 major topics that our audience has told us are impacting their daily lives and focusing their minds on the future. I'm Susan Daly, Managing Editor of The Journal, where the Good Information Project has been giving readers the opportunity to engage directly with editors and journalists on these issues. With you, we've looked at their impact on Ireland and on our place in the wider EU. In this episode, we are asking, how do we solve a housing crisis like the one we see ourselves in the grip of? Are there solutions and can we afford them? What can we learn from our neighbouring countries? We'll answer these questions and more, but here's what we heard from you on the issue. This is the biggest issue to be faced by this and the next government. The housing system in this country is completely broken and it has been for years. Rents shouldn't be more than mortgages. Any attempt to fix the problem has really just been a way to funnel money to developers and funds. The price of money is at an all-time low. Even the ESRI is saying, borrow more money. I work in construction and I'm thinking of leaving. This issue is actually destroying the country. They should forbid all the buy-to-let schemes that only lead to higher house prices and higher rents. We need a proper rent-to-buy scheme implemented so people can leave the rental trap. Isn't it supply versus demand? What am I missing? The supply hasn't decreased as there were no volcanoes, earthquakes or nuclear explosions that destroyed a good percentage of houses in Ireland. It's that the demand in the last 10 years has shot through the roof. So much so that it begs the question, is it even possible to build fast enough to keep up with the neck-breaking speed of demand? Our story is that we are renting the same property, a three-bedroom apartment, for the last 12 years. We've rang the landlord three or four times in all this time to fix the heating, cooker and washing machine. We've painted the property every two or three years at our own expense. We've had the carpets cleaned. We did this because it is our home. The landlord has never once visited the property in this 12 years. Six weeks ago, we got a call from an estate agent to say that the landlord now wants to sell the property. This is fair, but now we entered the rental search again. Except this time, we need to find a place in the same estate or close by, as we have two children who have grown up here. They go to school close by. All their friends live here. They play for the local GAA club. We're not expecting it to be easy to find the next place and we will be competing against others who are also looking to rent here, which makes it very difficult to secure somewhere. So what's the wider view? In our next segment, Good Information Project producer Carl Kinsella guides us through the policies being put in place to tackle the crisis and how that might be misaligned to what our survey of the public told us is needed to keep a roof over their head. The housing crisis is an inescapable fact of life in 21st century Ireland. Each passing week brings further news of increasingly exorbitant house prices and rental costs, while supply continues to flag well behind demand. We wanted to get a grasp on how the government's housing policy aligns with what is being called for by the public, so we teamed up with independent polling company Ireland Thinks to take stock of public opinion. 
The Affordable Housing Scheme is one of the government's flagship initiatives to solve the housing crisis for first-time buyers, but its announcement in May this year was marred by the cap of 450000 put in place for properties in Dublin City and Dunleary. The scheme involves state support to households seeking to purchase a home who are unable to secure the full mortgage to do so. The price caps are based on local authority area and there are seven bands. An affordable home in South Dublin, Fingal, Cork and Galway cities as well as Wicklow will be capped at 400000 There'll be a 350,000 cap in Cork County, Limerick, Kildare and Meath, a 300,000 euro cap in Clare, Westmeath and Wexford, and a 275,000 euro cap in Carlow, Louth and Offaly. In a poll taken in June last year, we found that these price caps are totally out of whack with what the average Irish person thinks of as affordable. Our poll found that 50% of people conceptualise affordable housing as between 200,000 and 250,000 euro while a further third of the population thinks affordable should mean even less than that again. Only 9% of all respondents said that anything over 350000 could be considered affordable. Even when adjusted for respondents only from Dublin, where house prices are highest, 71% agreed with the general consensus that affordable housing means €299,999 at most. 79% of those who owned their homes outright agreed with this sentiment, as did 85% of those paying a mortgage. In what could be described as a very decisive outcome, Irish people do not believe that anything over €300,000 is affordable. There's also quite a lot of consensus around who Irish people believe are to blame for the housing crisis. When given a list of potential culprits and told to select all that apply, 69% of participants pointed the finger at past governments, compared to just 37% who blamed the current government, though it is important to note that this data is from June 2021. Even more than the current government, 42% of those who were polled identified the banks as responsible for the current problems in housing. 30% selected NIMBYism and local objections to housing, the same proportion as those who identified builders and the construction industry as partly responsible. Not many blamed the current Minister for Housing, Dara O'Brien, suggesting that perhaps Irish people don't see the power to solve the problem concentrated in his department. However, the frontrunner suggested by respondents when asked who they believed was the right person to tackle the housing crisis was Sinn Féin's housing spokesperson, Owen O'Brien. Respondents were prompted on the housing spokespeople for all parties, and only 13% selected Dara O'Brien, the incumbent Minister for Housing. O'Brien came ahead of Simon Harris, who was put forward as the Fine Gael housing spokesperson, whom 27% of participants chose as their man. Richard Boyd Barrett of People Before Profit took 11% of the vote, with negligible amounts divided between the housing spokespeople of the remaining parties. Thanks, Carl. Now for some fact-finding, as I'm joined by housing reporter Cormac Fitzgerald to discuss the key questions at stake and some of the answers we've been hearing on it. Welcome, Cormac. Tell me this. Is it fair to say that the housing crisis is still worsening? So, short answer, yes. Although there are homes being built across the country and a number of different initiatives have been put in place since we ran the housing series last July, by almost all metrics, the housing crisis is still getting worse. So we only need to look at some news stories from the last few weeks to really get an idea of how the figures are going in the wrong direction. Firstly, we can see the house prices are still rising across the country at an alarming rate. According to the Central Statistics Office, house prices jumped by just over 15% in the year to this April. This is compared to just a 3% rise last year as the COVID-19 pandemic sort of slowed down inflation somewhat. But the average price paid for a home in Ireland over the last 12 months to April was €333,294. And in Dublin, that price was over €509,000. 
So in the buyer's market, things are getting more expensive. In the rental market, things are also getting worse. A recent report from the Rental Tenancy Board shows that rents for new tenancies nationally rose by 9% in the last three months of last year when compared to the same period a year earlier. The RTB Rent Index, which uh, measures new tenancies in a given period, it shows that 9,346 new private tenancies were registered with the RTB during the quarter, which is down nearly 50% on the same period for 2020. What this means, according to Niall Byrne, director of the RTB, is that it is driven in part by a lack of supply in the rental sector, that there just aren't enough homes out there. Um, This is echoed in the most recent DAF report, which shows that the number of homes listed on the DAF website was at the lowest it has been since DAF started tracking availability in January 2006. Um, According to that report as well, average rents jumped by over 10% in the year to February of this year, with an average rent now €1,524 per month across the country. So rents are going up, house prices are going up, and this is having a downward effect on people looking to buy or rent in Ireland. So it's having an effect on people at the top of the rental market, say, which is pushing down people at the bottom of the rental market, meaning that people having are having to exit the housing market entirely and into homelessness. We've seen this in the latest homelessness figures, which show that there were 9,825 homeless people in Ireland at the end of March, an increase on 3.5% in a month and a 23% increase on the same time last year. Homelessness uh, numbers, they dropped significantly during COVID-19 for a variety of reasons when I were seeing them shoot up again. Um, Most worryingly in these figures, perhaps, is that 1,230 of those homeless people were young adults aged between 18 and 24, which the Simon community says is a record number of young people, young adults in homelessness. So by all these metrics, I think it's kind of clear that the housing crisis continues to get worse. So hopelessness and homelessness... What is then and isn't being done to solve this issue of housing? Yeah, so as I said, um, there are a number of different initiatives have been put in place by the government since we ran our series last July. Most notably, I suppose, on the positive or maybe the proactive front is the Housing for All plan, which was published by Housing Minister Darrell O'Brien in September of last year. Um, This is set to act as the government's housing plan until 2030. The government called it a multi-billion euro plan which would improve Ireland's housing system and deliver more homes of all types for people with differing housing needs. So their goal with the plan is to ensure that citizens have access to good quality homes that, number one, they can purchase or rent at an affordable price, number two, that are built to a high standard and in the right place, and number three, that offer a high quality of life. To this end then, the plan commits to build around 33,000, an average of 33,000 new homes a year from 2021 to 2030 when the plan will expire. So how's it going so far? Well, we can see in the the Q1 progress report for the the first three months of this year that the government points to a number of things, what it calls positive indicators in housing construction and in delivering affordable housing. It says that commencement notices were received for 33,000 homes in the, the 12 months to February of this year that almost 43,000 units were granted planning permission last year. It pointed towards the local authority home loan, which is now open for applications across the country, and which has a 250 million euro pot for people looking to buy their own home. The report also referenced the delivery of cost rental properties and that applications have been received for homes being provided under the local authority affordable purchase scheme. So under that pilot scheme, 16 three-bed homes in South Dublin are being priced at 245,600 and applications have, have opened for that. 
Housing Minister Dara Bryan also said last month that the government was on target to deliver about 24,600 new homes this year and that there were about 1,300 more homes to be built last year compared to 2020. So everything sounds good on paper. However, opposition parties and experts have criticised the progress and the government's Housing for All plan as not doing near enough to arrest the rise in property prices. Sinn Féin never want to go easy on the government and must be said. They have said that the plan is not working, that there has been little to no progress made and that the housing crisis, it's only getting worse. As we mentioned earlier, all the metrics, be they house prices, be they rental prices, homelessness figures are all going in the wrong direction, pointing to this being the case. And what opposition parties say, but also crucially what experts are saying, is that the government just isn't building enough houses. Still, enough houses aren't being built. The same criticisms that have dogged this and previous governments, well, they still apply. Whether that be an over-reliance on the private sector to deliver homes, not enough social housing being built, an arduous planning process, investment funds sitting on sites without developing them, all these still apply. And experts across the board seem to agree that until more homes of every kind are built for everyone in Irish society, things are just going to keep getting worse. With inflation rising and construction materials becoming more expensive due to the war in Ukraine, it's just it's really hard to see this problem with supply being solved in the short term. Also, there are millions of Ukrainian refugees fleeing their country, tens of thousands of whom are coming to Ireland. And while almost everyone agrees that it is necessary and important to provide refuge for Ukrainians, providing suitable homes to those fleeing the war will no doubt put significant pressure on an already severely strained housing market. As you say there, Cormac, we are massively affected by global factors as well. And what bearing do EU spending rules have on Ireland's capacity to build housing? Yeah, so during our housing series, um, the journal did a fact check on government spending and EU rules and whether Ireland could maybe bend rules or get some sort of exemption that would allow us to spend more to solve the housing crisis. The argument being that we're in a state of emergency similar to COVID-19 or more recently the Ukrainian war, which would require exceptional action. Desperate times called for desperate measures. Housing Minister Dara O'Brien, in an interview with the journal, he said that there could be some leeway or maybe an argument made to that effect. And CJ McKinney for the journal did a great fact check on that claim. What he found was really that it's not at all likely that the rules would allow for further spending. And that when it comes down to it, EU spending rules, they aren't that much of a factor in the housing crisis in the first place. So these EU fiscal rules, they put an upper limit on a country's national debt, its budget deficit and its public spending um, in order to ensure a country's finances don't get out of control. When it comes to opt-outs in the case of, say, COVID-19, when the fiscal rules were suspended and still are suspended, Usually it would be in the case of a sudden crisis. The housing crisis, experts say, it represents more of a serious policy failure. And so the EU, they wouldn't be too keen on relaxing the rules to solve it. As CJ says in his article, and I'm quoting him here, put another way, the rules are there precisely to stop politicians from spending more than the country can afford, even if they think it's very important to splash the cash. Meanwhile, the rules don't much come into the equation on housing for a number of reasons. Number one, there's scope to keep potentially keep spending on housing off the balance books. Number two, the rules were suspended last year, as I said, and the year before, and also this year. And there's nothing really legally stopping Ireland from from spending more money. Uh, also, the government does have the scope to borrow within the rules enough to make a dent in the crisis if it so wishes. Finally, they could always raise taxes, always a very popular move, um, or maybe even take the money from a, a different pot and put it towards building more houses if that's what it wanted to do. 
really the question more is, is it an issue of just throwing cash at the problem or are there other issues? I think everyone agrees that in Ireland, we have problems around capacity, that there aren't enough construction workers in the country, that the construction industry completely collapsed about 13 years ago and we're still feeling the effects of that. There is a dearth of expertise there can be a lack of building materials, as we already mentioned. The planning system can frustrate it. All these issues around capacity, these things contribute to the to the crisis and are kind of well outside the consideration of simple EU spending rules. The EU spending rules and the fiscal limits kind of falls quite far down the list on the things that need to be addressed, I think, and maybe can be a bit of a red herring. Cormac, thanks so much for that update and the latest facts. We'll give the last word to Orla Hegarty, who told our open newsroom how legislation on housing standards has a huge impact on the quality of life of our citizens. Space makes an enormous difference. Uh, it makes a difference to people's relationships when they live there, to fire safety, to ventilation, to um, disability, to somebody breaking their leg and having to use crutches for a few months, um, to uh, somebody getting old and, and needing a carer or needing special equipment. Um, also to people being able to work from home or to have a hobby or a gym equipment or a pram or, you know, everything else. It's the difference between having to move if you have a second child and not. Um, so space is really cheap. And and we've we've kind of been sold the narrative that if we make housing smaller, it'll be cheaper. Uh, but in fact, you know, for an apartment or a house, all of the high value things, the windows, the doors, the heating system, the light switches, the kitchen and the bathroom are exactly the same, whether that's 50 square metres or 70 square metres. Um, so squeezing space is really short-sighted, uh, poor value for money. And that was all done about property speculation. It's done about squeezing more units onto a site um, and increasing the land value. It was nothing to do with more housing or better housing or housing that people would want. And and I think in the longer term, it's going to be seen as a very bad move because the only way we will have compact, more sustainable growth for climate adaptation and for our own sanity and commuting. Um, the only way we'll do that is to attract people to live in the cities in family housing and by squeezing down city housing so that it is completely unattractive and unaffordable is, is the main driver of people moving to NACE and and, and Drada. Um, there were more new homes built in the NACE po postcode um, in the last year or two than there were in postcodes one to eight. Um, so, so by driving down standards and quality, we're actually pushing more people into the commuter belt and we're just filling the city with planning permissions that are very unviable because they're so dense and so hard to finance um, and so expensive um, that we're actually sterilizing some of these sites, I think, now when the market turns and they'll be left vacant for the next five or ten years. Um, and, and meanwhile, the builders out in the commuter belt will be happily churning out low-density houses with two cars out front. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Good Information Podcast. Today's episode was edited and produced by Adrian Carty with research by Carl Kinsler and additional journalism from the Good Information Project team. Go to thejournal.ie to find out more about the entire Good Information Project and email us at goodinformation@thejournal.ie with your feedback and questions. If you want to hear more episodes in this series, find us at the Good Information Podcast on the Journal app or wherever you get your podcasts. The Good Information Project is co-funded by Journal Media and a grant programme from the European Parliament.